0: As a human in this day and age, I want to understand. I want to make an informed decision. And if I had known that prior to already hiring an attorney, then I would have gone to Google to search those symptoms of my problem. And if the content that you're creating speaks to the symptoms of the problem, even before the prospect knows exactly what the problem is, then you can catch them earlier in the process and become a trusted advisor as they take a journey from problem to solution. And so that content becomes a big part of entering into their story. But then the messaging on your site itself and positioning your prospect as the hero and your business as the guide to get them from problem to solution from a high level, it's just the key to helping people feel Mm -hmm. understood
1: Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. What if you could hang out with successful women lawyers, ask them about growing their firms, managing resources like time, team, and systems, mastering money issues, and more? Then take an insight or two to help you build a wealth-generating law firm. Each week, your host, Davina Frederick, takes an in-depth look at how to think like a CEO, attract clients who you love to serve and will pay you on time, and create a profitable, sustainable firm you love. Davina is founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer, and her goal is to give you the information you need to scale your law firm business from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue so you can fully fund and still have time to enjoy the lifestyle
2: of your dreams. Now, here's Davina. Today, I want to introduce our sponsor, Noble Marketing. Over the last four years, Noble Marketing has tracked more than 250 law firms, and discovered 60 to 80% of new client calls were generated through Google My Business and Google Ads. Basically, you need to be on Google and Noble Marketing can help. I recommend them because they have an incredible guarantee. Your campaign will be profitable in three months or less, or they will work for free for an additional three months. If they fail after a total of six months, they'll refund your entire investment, including ad spend. If you could use more qualified leads, I encourage you to reach out to Ronnie Deaver at noblemarketing.co. Mention you heard about them here on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast, and Noble Marketing will waive your setup fee, instantly saving you up to $2,500 or more. And now, on with our show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick. And today I am here with an old friend and a new friend. For those of you who have been followers of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast, you probably have heard the name Sean Carroll Sandy because she has been a guest on my podcast before and also a contributor to my program, Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. And so I'm super happy to have her back today. And she's here with a brand new business venture and partner, Tim Garman Hummel, who I'm excited to get to know and to meet. They have recently come together with years of sales experience and Kim's years of marketing experience. And they've started an agency called Sauce Agency. And I'm super happy to get to know them in this new light and ask them some questions today that I know are going to help you guys. So welcome, ladies. I'm so glad you're here.
3: Oh, thanks, Davina. Thank you for having us. This
2: is our first official
0: partnership podcast I think right yeah we've made some videos together that yeah. are have some great outtakes we'll try not to have many outtakes
2: <laughs> the outtakes are fun yeah my social media manager is always wanting to do like a compilation of my outtakes cuz she gets to see them but nobody else does why don't you tell like for each of you to just kind of introduce yourself so we get a sense of your background and what led you here and then we'll talk about why you decided to form this agency at this time
3: well a little over 10 years ago you know after having been in sales for decades my go-to-market strategy was really unique in that I helped customers get customers no matter what I had sold. And it didn't matter what I was selling. It was also giving them sales advice and helping them sell. So just a different go-to-market strategy. So I decided I wanted to build some sort of a consulting agency. But though sometimes I think like a marketer, I didn't want to build a marketing agency. I wanted to build a selling agency. <laughs> So I worked with businesses, small, mid-sized businesses up to, uh, you know, almost even a half a billion dollars in revenue, which isn't so small anymore, to help them really understand how to build a go-to-market strategy that can, you know, advance every successful salesperson and then train the salespeople, give them the right skills to be able to execute the go-to-market strategy, and then do individual skills gap coaching. That also led to doing sales team assessments, hiring, helping clients stand up the sales program. Things that are really hard to do when you're down in, you know, the minutiae and you have this myopic view of your business, it's hard to get out of that and build a strategy and then, you know, build a sales plan. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years. I'm
2: going to refresh people's memory. One of the things that was huge that came out of my conversation with Sean in our first podcast episode, it's been a couple of years now, is turning everyone into your organization, into a selling member of your organization and I think for law firm owners, that can be a difficult concept to embrace and understand. And so I know that was a huge part of what you were doing. You were helping to train within the organization, everyone from that right. person greeting them all the way up to the top dog on how to sell. And for law firms, I think that is a particular challenge because the lawyers think they're not salespeople, <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. And so if nobody's selling, and I've always said, if nobody's selling in your business, then you don't have a business. It's not (laughs) happening. So, but the consultation is the sales and everyone needs to be trained in that. Now I want to to him a little bit more and then we'll go a little deeper into this. Mm
0: -hmm. For sure. So I just have to add on to the end there. Selling is service and service is selling. There's (laughs) a very hokey video on YouTube. If you go Google that, that you'll wish you hadn't watched and won't ever be able to forget but you'll remember that (laughs) selling is service and service is selling. (laughs) So so if we rewind back to about a year after Sean started the selling agency, I was gifted with the opportunity to branch out from a day job and do something that I love. And my options were singer songwriter or photography, videography, website building. And then my husband said, except maybe not music because you're not going to make any money. (laughs) So my options were photography, videography, and website building. You know, I just started helping small businesses and I could see these small businesses piecemealing their strategy and suffering for it. And they weren't coming to me for strategy. They weren't even pursuing a holistic strategy at all. They were truly piecemealing everything. They have an idea, they pursue the idea. There's no connectivity between it. There's no goals. There's no plan. And it just seemed like there had to be a better way. So through a lot of trial and error and effort and learning, I just kept pursuing what is that better way? What is that better way? In 2017, my team and I became HubSpot partners. So we were accepted into the HubSpot partner program. And that really gave us an opportunity to start learning a lot about how to be strategic about business growth. And so we dug in and learned everything we could. And we went from an agency that focused on, you know, graphic design. People wanted a one sheet. They came to us for headshots, things like that, to, yeah, those are things that you're going to need along the way. But first and foremost, you need a holistic strategy that focuses on your company goals and then sales and marketing up to achieve those goals together and individually. Any other departments that are contributing to revenue.
2: For people who don't know, tell them what HubSpot is. A lot of people know, but a lot of people don't. You're kind of either yeah. in it or you're... Right.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. The funny way to answer that too is a lot of people who think they know HubSpot is a marketing automation platform and that's where it started, but it's expanded to be a platform that you can damn near run your whole business out yeah. of. It integrates with QuickBooks and it's got payments built in. It's got quotes built in. Wow. There's a sales hub. There's a marketing hub. There's an operations hub and there's a service hub. And between all of them, you can co- create this single source of truth in the data that is being gathered from doing your jobs every day so that when decision makers need to make decisions, they are making data-driven decisions based on reality and their actual users instead of what their gut's telling them to do that day.
2: Oh, you know, business owners, we don't like to think about reality. We like to <laughs> go with our gut and how we feel about it. That's how we set our prices. That's how we start our, do our marketing strategy. That's how we create a reel for Instagram is how we feel, right? Yeah. 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 And it'll take you so far, but it won't take you the rest of the way. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. I am always uh, talking with my clients about the importance of data and really asking questions. When I'm asking them questions, I'm saying, I'll ask them a revenue question. How much revenue did you make last year? I think I made this and your homework is to go find out the exact number Mm -hmm. because what we think is often does not match the actual data, in fact. So very important. Mm -hmm. And that's something I know you're really known for, Kim, is that data-driven approach where you're really looking at what's truly going on out there. So I want to talk to you guys today. First of all, tell me how you came together and decided that this was something that was needed right now for the two of you to come together and do Sauce Agency.
3: Oh, I love that part. I have to say, so we've known each other for years and met each other and, you know, been in the same circles and had so many great business conversations. I've watched Kim and her team build an incredible business and been so proud and impressed by like the growth and the layers. I'm like, I never wanted to do that. Oh my God. And I've been building and being like, when is Sean going to come here? When is Sean going to come here? (laughs) So last summer we met for lunch and we were having a conversation and I was sharing, like I did with you, how some of my business was shifting to sales training beyond the sales department. And which is funny because it was kind of my original thought when I built a selling agency, it's like, why would you only inflate one tire on a car? Why wouldn't you inflate all the tires and have the whole organization understand how to create a specific customer experience and be able to recognize opportunities So I was doing more with teams beyond the sales. I called it building a selling organization. And Kim said, I think I do the same thing, but we call it RevOps, but it's on the digital side. So we talked about how the skills and the training and the digital kind of had this full um, arc or continuum of possibility. And we were really originally talking about doing a podcast together. And then every time we got together to do the podcast, we started talking about business and opportunities. And I thought, well, maybe we'll just cross sell. And then eventually, let's just do this. So we started last September, October, really hammering out partnership and really working towards starting this year when the partnership really officially launched with sales on the books, prospects, and a huge goal for this year. Huge goal. So, wow. And so what? far, so good. It's what, 16, <laughs> 17 days. totally on track.
2: <laughs> yes. Huge goal part. I'm all about big, audacious goals. So I love that part of it. And the two of you, with your combined experience, I'm sure in marketing and selling, Getting clients is probably not going to be a problem at all. So I'm glad to hear that. I want to go a little deeper into what Sauce Agency brings to the clients, how you serve your clients in a very specific way, so we can get a better understanding of what it means. Because marketing and sales is a very broad topic, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'm always. I wrote a, one of my books was for attorneys to help them figure out what it meant when somebody came to them and said they were in marketing because so many people come to them and say, we do marketing and it really may be advertising. It really may be Google advertising or it may be SEO, but people label under the term marketing. And so I wrote the book to help them sort of recognize what category somebody falls in when they're coming and saying, I do marketing. So I want to talk specifically about kind of the services you guys provide through your new agency. So
0: first off, I would say that the new category which marries sales and marketing together as one animal and as it should be mm-hmm. is RevOps. And we're a RevOps optimization agency. What
2: is RevOps? Yeah. That name means something. Revenue mm-hmm. operations? Yeah. Yes.
0: Revenue operations. Like every business is already doing RevOps. If you are in business to make money, you're mm-hmm. doing RevOps. Yeah. But the likelihood that your ops is optimized is pretty low, especially in a holistic way that connects departments and breaks down silos and increases efficiency across the board and also improves the employee experience and the company culture
3: in ways that
0: help you retain great employees and great customers.
3: When we say holistic, it's a mental shift. It's a mindset shift. It's actually a market shift for people to stop thinking in silos of sales, marketing, HR. It really and truly is a continuum that goes across your entire business. When you talk about why do people leave companies because they're frustrated their frustrations and it's usually communication or systems processes like this revops actually impacts all of that so it's the employee experience all the way through the customer experience
0: yeah So people come to us either to solve problems that they've identified in their marketing department or in their sales department, because that's what the world is accustomed to. But what we do is take a step back and say, yes, those are valid. We probably do need to address those. But the very first and foremost thing we need to address is getting your teams aligned, because alignment eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And once we achieve alignment, it's much easier to get all the tires inflated and everybody (laughs) with an oar in their hand rowing in the same direction towards the goal. Right.
2: So what okay. do you mean by alignment?
0: Well, quite often sales points finger at marketing and marketing points the finger at sales as to why we're not reaching our overall business growth goals. That's
3: not a good lead. We need more leads. It's oh my like, gosh. I hear that salespeople once I hear, we just need more leads. Oh, and what happens there is there's a breakdown. There's no dialogue about it. There's no
0: system typically in place to say, help me understand why that wasn't a good lead. Mm-hmm. And then salesperson says, this is why it wasn't a good lead. And data governance person who sits in the middle, RevOps optimization person who sits in the middle is able to say, actually, it was a good lead. And here's why. And here's what you need to do about that. Or you're right. It wasn't. Hey, marketing, this is not a good lead. Here's why. Well, what can you do with the messaging to fix it?
2: What would my law firm owners don't have sales teams in the traditional business that sells a product or something. They have lawyers who Mm -hmm. oftentimes have lawyers who function as sales people, and they decide whether or not it's going to be the owner. Are we going to train associates in sales? In legal terms, is considered a consultation, right? Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: marketing is usually some automated function that is set up to generate leads. So for instance, it might be, I've signed up for this company that says they're going to generate leads for me, or I'm Mm -hmm. doing... TikToks or I'm doing Instagram and they're generating leads for me, or I get, oh, this is very common in the legal world, has always been since the legal world began, I get word of mouth referrals and that's how they generate leads. So when somebody comes to you with a problem, if a law firm came to you with a problem and they said, I'm not sure if I'm generating enough leads and what do you mean? I don't have a sales team. What are you talking about? What's your response to that?
0: Okay, so first thing I'm going to ask is, how do you know it's not enough? What is your goal? And then if we can understand the overall revenue goal for the year, the number of leads that it's going to take to drive enough closed business sales to support that goal, then it's about reverse engineering the process to get us from where we are to where we want to grow. And I'm going to take the time to listen and understand what they've already done to get to where they are and then figure out how we can fill the gaps and that's a little bit different for each industry yeah. and each organization. But I think in general what you're asking there is, you know, if I were talking to a law firm that was in that situation what would I tell them to do? And the first thing I would look at is the messaging on their website because it sounds like it's very common in the law world for attorneys to invest in things that are going to drive traffic to their website. But if the messaging is not right, You're either not going to convert that traffic into a known user and eventually a lead and a customer, or you are going to convert them into a known user and a lead and they're not the right fit for your practice. And all of that comes down to the messaging, the story that sells being right.
2: So let's talk about the messaging for a minute because I know you guys are big proponents of storytelling in the messaging. What's been quite an interesting trend in as new law firms are coming up, they're automating, and so you're having a lot of automated remote teams. And the website, many of them actually will start and grow law firms and never have a website. They'll use social media platforms as a means of which is really kind of very interesting trend for the future. Mm -hmm. But the majority have websites at this point. And the website kind of functions as a 24-7 office, whether you have an office Mm -hmm. or not. It's a place that people can go and see what you're all about and sign up for an appointment and all of those things. One of the biggest challenges I think that law firms have is understanding the importance, and how to differentiate yourself from the, you're an estate planning lawyer, what's the estate planning lawyer down the street? That's also showing up in my feed. And there's a lot of repetition of education and content in the feed. Everybody's sort of educating on the same things. And so how do we distinguish? You know, if you're scrolling and looking, how do you distinguish? And that really comes down to messaging. So talk to me about that.
3: Before Kim shares some of her brilliance about this, I'm gonna say, we just had this problem. When we were looking for someone to help us build our operating agreement for our new partnership, I mean, we're on a historic, you know, main street in Memphis, Tennessee. We thought, oh, let's find someone close by. And like, it was a hot mess, quite honestly, to try to find a firm that did small business formation to understand, you know, they have 17 other things they do. Do they actually handle that in that firm? Do they just say it. Most of them have some really atrocious websites out there and not great communication. Their website says one thing, their Google listing says the other. So if you're listening, (laughs) this is an issue where by very simply being better, (laughs) you can earn business. We just have this exact problem.
2: What kind of things were you seeing? One of the things that is my pet peeve that I can't stand if it's all about the firm, Here's our partners. Here's where we went to school. Here's where we, and it means nothing to the client. I mean, I think we've changed to the point with permission marketing, where if you don't make it about the client and their problem, right? And let them know, hey, we solved this kind of problem. So I can't stand the old fashioned law firm websites that a lot of big law have, where it's like our partners, these are our partners mm-hmm. and here's all their credentials and all this kind of stuff. What else were you running into that was kind of like, eh, yeah. <laughs>
3: There were some that had some good information, but it was so central to the law firm. And then there were some that just didn't, just had like, I mean, it was maybe the original 1996 website. I'm not kidding. But the firm we actually ended up going with, Sean found, and I
0: hadn't looked at their website at all until the day we were headed to their office to sign the closing papers on the merger. And when I pulled it up on my phone, I was confused because the first thing it said was, estate planning firm. And I was like, is this the right one? Am I going to like, I was trying to go there. Like I needed to hit directions, please to Google. And I clicked through to their homepage and it was clear that it was like an SEO guy got given a bunch of keywords Mm -hmm. and services. And he forgot that a human needed to understand what was on the page and just overloaded it. with What was going to help them get found, but getting found is only half of the trick there. And I think if I was going to give your audience one piece of advice, it would be go read Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. We're a story brand certified agency as well. And the idea there is the way you differentiate yourself is before you start putting out educational content, yeah, you got to do all that. You got to play to the algorithms on search. You've got to answer people's questions, answer the public. But you have to develop an empathetic understanding of your target audience. And in order for you to do that, you have to decide who you're for and who you're not for, and then stick to that and make sure that all your messaging speaks back to that controlling idea of the empathetic understanding of that person, that human that is on the other end trying to seek out a solution to a problem that you solve.
2: My question is when you got there, did you convert the law firm into a client? Because you probably should have at that point (laughs) by sharing your experience. (laughs) <laughs> it's on the list. We mentioned it to her yeah.
0: and she said, well, I'm not the partner that makes decisions about that, but I'll mention it to him. But I thought it was also interesting that, you know, and this might be TMI for a podcast, but in our operating agreement, it says that our wills will dictate, you know, the outcome of if something happens to one of us. So, and I was like, do you have a will? And she was like, nope. And I was like, me neither. And then we looked at the attorney and said, we probably need to add a will to our tab. And she never circled no. back around on it. And clearly they do that because that's what Google was. Because well, really that's the first thing that came
2: up with state plannings. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that goes back to your whole thing, Sean, of the whole experience, the service and sales, right? It's service. People are so busy chasing new clients. They never stop to think, if I just serve the ones I have really, really well, that's also going to help grow my business, right? That service, that service aspect. And I I always shudder to think at the missed opportunities that people let go by because they just don't provide that high level of service right to begin with.
3: Yeah, that screams at me. It's the importance of everyone in your organization understanding what are the things we listen for? What are key questions to ask? How can we help? There was a junior associate in that room and she could have handed that off to him. I mean, you know, it's probably a template, sign here, whatever, you know, a couple thousand between, whatever that is. But when you were asking earlier about, okay, we have a law firm, we get inquiries. If from the person who answers the phone to the person who responds to the inquiry, to the person that sends the invoices, to the follow-up, to the scheduling, fairly legal, if everyone doesn't understand that empathetic understanding of the problems we solve, problems our, our clients have and that we solve for them, and they don't understand how to probe for solutions or how to ask more questions or even just how to be more of a service, if selling is not really anything but serving people, then you are missing opportunities. And your cost to acquire a new customer is way more than just asking a follow-up question in the conference room with existing clients who've already paid you some thousands of dollars to do something. And
2: that attorney has obviously not been trained on how (laughs) to say oh, wait a minute, let me stop and listen for a minute and stop what I'm doing, being in the doing and sit in the right. listening. And in the moment with these two women who are here, who have all sorts of needs at this point, starting a business. And mm-hmm. there are many, many things I can think that I would have a conversation with you about a checklist, yeah. in fact, of go, that I would go down and say, have you got this? Have you done that? Have you got this? there be all kinds of things. So there's a great opportunity for that attorney sitting there. And I think a lot of people don't know how to go about doing that. They're so focused on, I got to create this new content out there to attract new people and function in a narrow window. Once they get them in front of them, we're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very transactional versus relationship oriented. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be fair, she was having a struggle bus day because... (laughs) Two of their six paralegals, I think is what she said, or assistants, some form of that, were out of the office either on a planned vacation or sick because a little bout of COVID went through Memphis around Christmas time. And then the two that were there, one was just it was like her last couple of days before she retires.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) she was like that's very common problem with law right now. (laughs) There's like less than one percent unemployment in the legal industry right now. It's very difficult to hire and staff. That's a huge issue that a lot of people are struggling with. Thank you for subscribing to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We'll get back to our show in just a few seconds. But first, I wanted to make sure you knew about my latest book so you could go grab a copy. It's called The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to Building a Systems-Driven Law Firm Business. Seven essential systems you need to take back your time, avoid burnout, and create lasting wealth. If you are wanting to set up systems in your law firm business, but you aren't sure where to start, or maybe you have some systems, but not all seven of the essential systems nailed down, then go right now and get your copy of my latest book, The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to Building a Systems-Driven Law Firm Business, Seven Essential Systems You Need to Take Back Your Time, Avoid Burnout, and Create Lasting Wealth. The link is in the show notes. And now back to our show. Let's go back to the differentiating yourself because I want to help people understand how they can differentiate themselves. Because the one thing is, you know, very obvious in terms of like just do be one percent better than what you see out there, and you'll differentiate yourself. But I find it really interesting too that you went to Google. I tell people over and over again, yes, there are going to be people who search you, so there are going to be people who ask for referrals and whatnot. But ultimately, people are going to go to Google, and they're going to be. And I would love to say it was Bing or something else, but it's Google. It is. It just is. And they're going to search even if they've already been referred to you. They're going to look for and so. That matters and what you're putting out there and what that looks like. You mentioned earlier, Kim, about storytelling. How do we go about like formulating our story? Because most of us think, should I do a story about me? Should I do a story about the firm? As I grow, is my story then going to become the firm's story? What does that even mean, a story? How do I tell a story about me? I don't know how to do that. What do you tell them? What do you do?
0: You're actually not telling a story about you. You're telling a story about your customer and you're a part of it. And if you can effectively do that, then it won't matter how your business grows and changes. Yeah, the details will change a little bit, but the problem you solve is the controlling idea and the symptoms of the problem that you solve are going to be the same for the people experiencing the problem, regardless of how your business changes. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, for sure. So looking at wills, estates and trusts. Okay. So I lost my mom in 2020. Luckily it was pre-COVID and it was just lung cancer from smoking she was 17 so we dodged that bullet but you know i found out that her will wasn't valid in all of my parents knowledge as bankers and you know like they should know things they didn't know that they needed a certain number of signatures and or a notary on their will so we went to turn it in to open up you know whatever we needed to do i don't know the legal words there's probate is one of them but that was a thing that ended up having to happen because her will wasn't valid And so when my attorney told me that her will wasn't valid, the first thing I did was go to Google and start searching for, does he know what he's talking about? What does this mean? Like, what are the implications of this for me? Because as a human in this day and age, I want to understand. I want to make an informed decision. And if I had known that prior to already hiring an attorney, then I would have gone to Google to search those symptoms of my problem. And if the content that you're creating speaks to the symptoms of the problem, even before the prospect knows exactly what the problem is, then you can catch them earlier in the process and become a trusted advisor as they take a journey from problem to solution. And so that content becomes a big part of entering into their story. But then the messaging on your site itself and positioning your prospect as the hero and your business as the guide to get them from problem to solution from a high level. It's just the key to helping people feel Mm -hmm. understood. And then when you temper that with the authority, you know, as an attorney, you have a lot of authority. I mean, you know what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. Oh, I do think it is. It's very,
2: because you're still competing with the guy down the road who's got the same law license that you do, right? So how can you say I'm the i and your attorney, I'm the one who understands? I call what you're talking about too, you're talking about the problem, the 3 a.m. I did not make this up myself. i learned this a long time ago, but the 3 a.m. problem, the one that you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you've got heartburn and you can't go back to sleep (laughs) because you're worried about it. So I can imagine when that happened and the story that you were sharing, when that happened to you, you were probably up at night going, what am I going to do with this mess? I have no idea what to do. I need somebody to help me. Mm And that was something that when you would wake up at night, for whatever reason, you can't go back to sleep because you're thinking of the thing, right? And it's interesting because I recently went over something like this and with my group of attorneys and one attorney says, well, my clients don't come to me with, you know, they're not up stressing at night over starting a business or whatever. Like they were using an example of formation, you know, or something like that, that you don't think of as a stressful problem, right? Because to them, it's not. But was that a stressful problem for you guys? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, not stressful,
3: but we wanted to make sure we did it right. We had existing employees to bring together. We had existing assets. And so, yeah, what did we search? You know, who helps with existing businesses formation? So the storytelling is about I'm looking for, you know, how I would describe my problem. The storytelling is reflecting that we understand your problem. So what would you have Googled in your case? You know, how would you have Googled that? What would the story brand line have been there? I'm putting her on the spot. What does it take to make a
0: will valid in the state of Tennessee is what I would have searched. And kind of what I was saying before in terms of authority is the law is the law is the law. If you're practicing in the same state, the answer is going to be 99.99% the same. That nth of a percentage that leaves room for interpretation and loopholes and things like that is probably the difference between a good lawyer and a great lawyer. But in terms of what the answer is going to be, you could probably find five or six blog posts with a quick search of what makes a will valid in the state of Tennessee. But the one that first helps me feel understood and isn't just facts is the one that is going to resonate with me. It's going to stick with me because there's an emotional hook.
2: They're the ones that understand the implications the emotion behind right. the question. And so they're giving you not only the facts, but they're also sharing in their content. They're sharing in a way that lets you feel understood mm-hmm. and heard in the yeah. state and space that you are now. Not an easy thing to do for people who don't do this for a living, right? right? So a lot of people think I can do my own marketing, for instance. I can do my own social media. I can do whatever. But well, a lot of what you were talking about at the beginning was the importance of strategy. And the strategy evolves a lot of parts, like where are we now? So what strategy do we need to take? And it always begins with understanding who your client is. Who is my client? What is their 3 a.m. problem? Where do they hang out? How am I going to solve that problem? What is my plan for solving that problem? All of those questions that we start with before we go and start just Making dance videos or whatever it is, right? Really yeah. it's a deeper understanding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have any questions. I make Instagram videos. I'm not on TikTok. Your videos pages, are good, Davina. I, I, you. See,
3: you. To I it. see you stepping up your game. Yeah. Well, and all of it is based on, you know, there really are so few differences in a lot of what you know businesses can offer these days. Technology is kind of a great equalizer and you know, access to Tech into web. And, and so it really kind of boils down to how people feel and how you make people feel mm-hmm. about how you can solve their problems. So the resource she mentioned, Story Brand, how to build a story brand is a great book. It's a formula, it's a system, it's a process. And in the hands of people that know it and can extract it versus doing it yourself, yourself, use that as a foundation to go with you on your business changes throughout time. At the core of it is an empathetic understanding of how people feel when they get to your website and they feel like, oh, these people understand me and they can be my guide. That's actually a specific term is you're a guide to your clients. Your clients are the hero in the story, not you, but you are a guide to help them get to the solutions when you give them a plan.
2: Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think a lot of business owners tend to think they're the hero in the story, especially Mm -hmm. attorneys, because we solve the problems. So we're the heroes for solving the problem. And that's those websites that you see where it's all about the lawyers, all about the lawyers all over the site, because we're the heroes. And the one shift, if you just make this one shift alone, it'll have a huge impact on your business. And that is to shift it and say, no, no, my client is here on the hero's journey. If you haven't looked up the hero's journey, go Google that, the hero's journey. On this quest, life. the client is on a quest, they're on a quest to solve a problem. They have a lot of emotion around that. And you stepping in and being a guide because you know the way, mm-hmm. it's a Sherpa situation. You're the one yeah. who's going to save them a lot of problems and obstacles that they're going to overcome. You're going to have the knowledge. And so positioning yourself as someone who is helping them is instead of coming in to be the superhero to solve the problem, mm-hmm. save the day, is going to be much more effective because it's going to make them feel more important, right? Tell me how yeah. you guys do that for your clients what is the number one problem you're solving for your clients? I
0: feel like that was maybe two different questions.
2: I always ask (laughs) compound questions. You don't know this about me, but this is how I am. (laughs) Is that an attorney thing? (laughs) No, that's probably just a me thing. I am always asking compound questions and I have to slow myself down because my brain is going. (laughs) Funny, I totally understand. So I think part of what you're asking is, How do we help our clients accomplish positioning their brand as the guide? Before that, I think the question is, what is the problem? So when your clients are coming to you, what Mm -hmm. is their 3 a.m. problem for you guys? They need to make
0: more money. They're guessing about how to do that and stressing about it. They're Mm -hmm. trying different things. It's not working. It's not working. Yeah, they're flailing and failing.
3: Money, spend, try all over the place.
0: And it's not working or it's not working as well as they thought it would. Or sometimes something is working, but they're not super clear on which thing is working because they don't have a line of sight into the data to support which thing is working. So they're too afraid to stop doing anything and they're throwing a lot of money away. Yes. That.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and so, so give yeah. me a sense of the size. What is the revenue, the starting revenue of business that would be good clients for you? And give me a kind of a sense because I know you work in different verticals but give me a sense of the size business that you prefer to work with. You do business to business, right?
0: We do. We do some B2C as well, depending on the business model. Primarily, our sweet spot is a business that has grown. They're established and they've grown to the point where the people in the business are trying to wear too many hats. They can't work on the business and in the business and they want to do both and they need help getting from where they are to the next tier of of scalability. On either end of that, we have businesses that come to us that they're just getting started with their digital presence. They've had a brochure website. It is for referrals and word of mouth to go check and validate that they're who they say they are. They want that website to do a better job of storytelling. Those people typically come to us because they've heard of StoryBrand and they're looking for a StoryBrand agency to help them create the messaging on their website and work th- and bring them through the story brand process. On the other end of that, we do also work with large organizations that have grown too quickly and they're siloed and segmented mm-hmm. and they need help streamlining and unifying and aligning everything to work better together. A lot of times they've already invested in HubSpot, and they're not using it. They know it can do a lot more than it is doing. And there's a learning curve that no one inside the organization has the time or patience to overcome.
2: It's not just strategy, it's implementation as well. So, I mean, because I think that's a huge thing we need to talk about is your implementation. It's one of the biggest challenges that I think a lot of business owners have is we have great ideas, we have ideas about those ideas, and we have a lot of enthusiasm. But then when it comes to the rubber meets the road and it's time to implement, We often don't have the skill level that it takes to implement. And so we try to teach ourselves how Mm -hmm. to develop those skills. And then we get deeper and deeper into it. And then we realize, okay, I've got to know all these skills. But by then it's too late. Years have gone by and you've wasted all this money. And really, you probably need to hire somebody just to help you who already has those skills. Right? The who, not the how question. Yeah. So you guys do. So websites, you know, messaging, websites, social media all of the different ways that you can help your clients. It's
3: it's stories that sell, systems that scale, brands that beckon, websites that work, and training that transforms.
2: Experiences that
3: endear. Yes, experiences that endear. Well, and the other piece of that that's really cool, and this is probably one of our biggest differentiators in how this works is, Kim started this and I'm on the train because it's brilliant. It's growth-driven design. So speaking to your audience, the lawyers, your website is never finished. It should never be finished. It's, you know, minimum viable product and then launch and then understand what happens, read the data and then make iterative improvements. You say it so much better than I do. Iterative improvements while you are selling, while you're generating leads and then you keep going. Like it's not a one and done. It's not just a, I'm going to pace up, you shouldn't pay someone just to build a website. It should be, okay, where do we go from here? What is the next step? Because that's a constant investment. You constantly need to be learning and doing and changing, learning, doing, changing. So that's growth-driven design. The loss that happens there is twofold.
0: One, your business isn't going to be the same in a year as it is now. It shouldn't be. It's going to evolve. And with it, your website and your messaging and how you're going to market needs to evolve. But the traditional model is to rebuild your website every three to five years. So there's a whole lot of growth that isn't represented on your website that is leading to attracting the wrong prospects, for example. And so keeping that up to date is really important. Mm
3: -hmm. The
0: other side of that is sometimes the best way to know whether you've hit the nail on the head with your website is to ask the people who your website is for. So putting your website out there as a minimum viable product and accepting that a designer and a strategist and a whole team of people who aren't the person that you're trying to get Mm. to take action on choosing you to solve their problem can't know. They can guess. They can make an educated guess. They can form a hypothesis and they can create a minimum product and launch it. But then you have to test it. You have to put the tools in place to make your one-way mirror of a website, which a brochure website is what that's called, into a two-way mirror so that you can see the digital body language of your users and infer meaning from it and draw patterns and conclusions and then improve what you have out there.
3: You see why I picture the partner, right? It's amazing. And when you back that with sales, how do you go to market? Definitely what we thought it was going to be, I think, in the first, or I did, go-to-market strategy and that the clients we're working with we understand cash flow on top of all those other things and so we need to say okay the foundational marketing things the really good investment the the strategy and learning that that's your long game but what can we do to address sales and closing business and the skills of your team members early. So we're actually, together with RevOps, we can do this two-prong, maybe it's a three-prong approach of the long game while we try to you know train and, and address sales and closing business on the short game too. So I think that the overall message is it's a mindset shift and, as opposed to tr- how traditionally marketing and even sales training has been in that here's this event, we're going to plop this information here and let it ride for a year, a month, you know, a couple months for sales or a year for sales or three to five for a website. It's got to be constantly evolving because you need to be getting the feedback from your audience. Is this working? Why would you pour money into something if it's not working? Why don't we pivot? Let's make it so much more flexible. Oh, you don't know it's working? How can we fix that? Yeah. So... <laughs>
2: We need to end. I so appreciate you guys being here today and talking with me. Tell me how people can get in touch with you and learn more about the new Sauce Agency. And I love the name, by the way, because you guys are very saucy.
3: (laughs) That's kind of a funny story too. Kim was Sauce Marketing. And you tell that piece of it and then we'll wrap up like the name. So prior to being Sauce Marketing,
0: I was in core studios because like I said, photos, videos, multimedia. And as our services grew, the name needed to change. And so I looked up to Sean quite a bit and I had come up with some different options and I landed on sauce and I walked up to her after a NABO meeting in the parking lot and said, sauce, sauce marketing. And she just went,
3: That's it. That's it. <laughs> so that was like that's I knew. And then seven years later, here we are, <laughs> sauce agency. Yes. <laughs> yeah. how people could get in touch with us. We do
0: have a free guide, 10 small changes that make a big difference on your homepage that we would love to offer your audience. Oh, fabulous. I love that. And then of course, just go into sauceagency.com and in the top right-hand corner, there is a button that says request a call and you can book Mm -hmm. a risk-free connect call where we can learn about your
3: practice and determine if we're a good fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to grow. Yeah. Or you know what I would love to is, I want feedback. If your audience is listening, and if they found something helpful and extremely applicable, let us know what that is. If there.
0: anyone wants to stop us from using LegalZoom for wills.
2: <laughs> if you're in Memphis, this is your to. opportunity. There's two people who really need <laughs> some estate planning done, and it's probably not a will. It's probably something else more So there you go. Ladies, thanks so much for being here and talking with me today. I've really enjoyed it. And of course, I could probably do a whole other episode, but this one has been great. And I think our audience is going to get a lot out of it. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Davina. Good to see you.
1: If you're ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to visit us at wealthywomanlawyer.com to learn more about how we help our clients create wealth-generating law firms with ease.